but that's all right. So obviously by the title of this uh, lesson tonight, you can see we're talking about the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's role in the two things we'll be talking about this semester, apologetics and evangelism. Um, this is one of my favorite topics because it's very theological uh, and I just like talking about the doctrine of God, who God is as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, so it's one of my favorite topics um, that I think we'll be talking about throughout the semester. But let me open us up in prayer and then we will dive into uh, the lesson. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we recognize, Lord, that we can't do anything on our own apart from you, Lord. We thank you for your Holy Spirit, Lord, and it's by the power of the Holy Spirit we are able to know you, Lord. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit we're able to speak to you in prayer. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit we may come to know and understand you, Lord. I pray, Lord, that we won't minimize the work of the Holy Spirit as we go out and share the gospel, as we study, Lord, this semester apologetics. I pray we won't neglect the role of the Holy Spirit in this task. Lord, I just pray that you'll give us all ears to hear your word tonight, that you'll speak through me, that I will do so by your Spirit, Lord, and that you will just continually grow us in our knowledge and love of you by your Spirit. We pray these things in your name. Amen. All right, so to begin this discussion, I have two questions back-to-back uh, back that I want us to discuss. The questions don't seem, maybe at first, to relate, uh, but we, we will talk about it. So first question, and I want a discussion with this. First question is, how much um, of a role does the Holy Spirit play in apologetics and evangelism? I mean, like, without the Holy Spirit, and, like, your message is, like, not received, unheard by the other person, or heard, but not taken in. Okay. Big role, important role. Um, what are some other thoughts? We may agree with this, but let's, let's elaborate. Why does the Holy Spirit have a big role? Why is it important? 26. John 1426. You're looking ahead. It's, uh, <laughs> uh, but the counselor of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Yeah. So he doesn't he cover everything. It's true. It's true. You're you're looking ahead. You, we, we will be looking at many of these passages to show how the Holy Spirit obviously plays a huge role. Um how big of a role is that? That's what I wanted to discuss. Yes. No, it's I was right. a little late. It's okay. Um, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit will teach us what we ought to say. When so we clearly don't need to study evangelism. <laughs> <laughs> we just need to recognize the role of the Spirit in it. We were tied yeah so i mean at least we don't have to study evangelism um absent the spirit right we have to recognize the role of the holy spirit in in it all uh and obviously oh sorry go a distinction between apologetics and the study of apologetics and understanding (coughs) of the role of the spirit because if you're talking about apologetics as defense of the faith yeah to others, isn't it begging the question if you assume the spirit for that role, whereas in the preparation and being able to present, is that different than, say, the actual uh, study of or the defense of the faith? Um, 
Because if it's relying on something that somebody just rejects flat out of hand, you get into a circular argument. Yeah, yeah. And if you were to look back at the different methods in apologetics, the presuppositionalist would recognize, I think, what you're kind of getting at. Uh, so the presuppositionalist apologetic person would say that you have to presuppose a Christian worldview, presuppose the fact that the Holy Spirit is the one needing to um, bring faith into someone. Uh, so if you don't presuppose the gospel to be true or God to be real, then you will be blinded. Um, so the so the method that the presuppositionalist would say is really you can't begin by showing why the Christian worldview is the best because they can't see that without the Holy Spirit. Instead, you have to show them the holes in their own worldview. And there has to be something better than that. And then that's when you share the gospel. I don't know if that's exactly what you're getting at. but Somewhat, yeah. That's probably better put. Okay. But, uh, and I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, um, there is apologetics as a discipline. It's simply defending something, right? But we're talking about specifically a certain kind of apologetics, and that's Christian apologetics for the purpose of evangelism, uh, specifically to be able to share the gospel uh, and give good reasons for the things that you believe in and to show ultimately that what we believe in um, has good reason to believe in it. Uh, so with that, the Holy Spirit always has to be assumed in it. Um, maybe not so much if you're doing apologetics in a different area. So, so yeah. Well, second question here. Are we totally dependent on the Holy Spirit and everything he does for us? The last bit of the um, question is there on purpose because we will be looking at a lot of things the Holy Spirit does for us. So all the things the Holy Spirit does for us, are we completely dependent on the Holy Spirit in those things? Or does the Holy Spirit simply help us? But we could get by maybe without the Holy Spirit, but it's just beneficial to have the Holy Spirit. What do you guys think? We definitely, it would benefit, and uh, yes, there are people that probably didn't have the Holy Spirit that have led people to Christ. Okay. There are probably people that were not Christian who have led people to Christ. The Spirit did work because the message of God was spoken, and it still moved whether or not the, the delivery vehicle was, but it sure is handicapped when, when the Holy Spirit is not in the the one delivering the message. All right. So Lonnie brought up a good point where we could talk about the Holy Spirit on one of two sides. The Holy Spirit's work and the presentation of it, or then the Holy Spirit's work and the one receiving it. So for this discussion, let's just talk about the, about the one receiving it. Does the Holy Spirit need to be there working in order for someone to receive it? Or is it just simply helpful? I don't think it's going to be like flopping off now. All right, so any other thoughts on that second part? Yes. Okay. So Holy Spirit is absolutely necessary on the receiver and in order for the receiver to truly recognize the beauty of the gospel and respond right. in faith. They might be able to like know, like know, study the facts and like know stuff about it, but to actually believe it. Even when Jesus yeah. was with them, he, he would say, the Spirit has revealed that to you. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't say, hey, you finally got what I said. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, and that was Jesus. Yeah, that's good. Um, and and so you guys are bringing up some really good points here. Um, over here, we had a point where there's a distinction in two different types of knowledge. Where one person, maybe without the Holy Spirit, 
when they're hearing the gospel preached to them, when they hear someone defending their faith, they could potentially, without the work of the Holy Spirit, ascend to an intellectual knowledge, recognizing prepositional truth about what is being said. But then there's also this other type of knowledge that we may call the heart knowledge uh, that convicts, that produces love and delights and devotion towards God. And so if we're talking about that second type of knowledge, which is the one that's necessary for salvation, then yes, the Holy Spirit is necessary. Um, say someone is doesn't really know God, but he understands the, the history behind the Gospels and talks about that, right? You could do that in a sense without the Spirit in them, and maybe others could come to an intellectual idea or understanding historically of what happened. So we're talking about different things here, right? Head knowledge versus heart knowledge, and Holy Spirit is crucial for the heart knowledge. All right. So that's that's good. These are some of the things I want to talk about. We talked about the Holy Spirit's role on the one presenting, Holy Spirit's role on the one receiving. All right. So let's look at this other question then. Who is the Holy Spirit and what is his role? We've already talked a lot around that. Um, but what are some things that come to your mind right away? When you say, who is the Holy Spirit and what is his role? Isn't he the third member of the Trinity? All right, that's a good place to start. Third person of the Trinity or third member of the Trinity. I read somewhere here, but I don't remember where, that he interprets our prayers to God. All right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he he um, speaks for us ultimately when we don't um, know what to pray for, right? Um, what else that could we say about who is the Holy Spirit? And then second, what is his role? Initial thoughts before we jump into the text. Comforter. Comforter, right, he comforts us. God breathed, so the scripture is... Inspired by the Holy Spirit. Scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit. God breathed by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, breathed out. The breath of God you could think of as the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, really, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we talk, we're talking about Trinitarian theology. And uh, I think it's very helpful for us to put it in that perspective, right? When we talk about the Holy Spirit, we're talking ultimately about this one God who is Father, Son, and Spirit. And when we are Trinitarian, and we ought to be as Christians, and Christians are Trinitarian, we recognize that we are in complete dependence of of God um, because things are from God, through God, and by God. And that by God really is focusing on the work of the Holy Spirit. From God the Father, through God the Son, by God the Holy Spirit. That's how we receive knowledge of God. That's how we receive salvation. That's how God created the world. That's how God does all things through his Trinitarian formula in that way. Um, I was just thinking of this analogy when I was actually driving here today to discuss this. And um, if you think of two people and one person wants to communicate to the other person about something and they live maybe far away um, they might send a letter so if our God was not the, a triune God right you would have God sending a letter communicating some way to mankind and um, he would send that some way, but it wouldn't necessarily be through himself or by himself. It would just be from him because it's just one other person. But the triune God shows, again, like I said, our dependence so much on God himself. Because if you think of the analogy, the Father sends this letter 
But the letter is not sent absent from himself. It's sent through himself, right? He is ultimately the mailman as well, sending the letter through himself, which is Christ. It's through Christ. And then once we receive the letter through him, we can't understand this letter unless we have the power from him, which is the spirit. Um, So all things, all knowledge of God, salvation itself is from God, through God, and by God. And so without that by God, you can't even begin to understand what the letter says in the beginning. So that's the role that we're talking about with the Holy Spirit. So I need to move on. So let's... um, Look at the first one. Nancy already read this for us. Nancy, you want to read this one for us again? John 14, verse 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Okay. So the reason why I asked the second question in the very beginning of that two-question thing, where it says, we are, to, are, are we totally dependent on the Holy Spirit and everything he does for us? So depending on, I wanted to set you guys up for these verses, because we're going to look at what the Holy Spirit does for us, identify those things, and then recognize we are completely dependent on the Holy Spirit in those things. He doesn't just help us, but we are completely dependent on the Holy Spirit. It's not like we could get by without the Spirit with these things. So, first, fill in the blank here. We are dependent on the Holy Spirit to teach us all things. To teach us all things. Um, that's, a, that's a huge role. We wouldn't know anything if it wasn't the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we couldn't understand the letter Sense by God, through God, it has to also be then by God, right? Second one, we are dependent on the Holy Spirit to, I did not italicize this part, I'm sorry. What do you guys think the second one is? Bring to remembrance? Yeah. Yeah. To remind us all that Christ said to us. We are completely dependent on the Holy Spirit to remind us all that Christ said to us. You might maybe um, push back on this and say, well, technically someone could remember things uh, without the Holy Spirit's work. But remember, we would not be able to understand the things that were said by Christ. Uh, You could maybe remember words but you would not be able to understand what they mean spiritually by any means. Does that make sense? Maybe? All right. Let's continue then. Uh, John chapter 16, verses 7 through 14. This one's a bit longer. Does someone want to read this, these two paragraphs for us? Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Hmm. That's good. And in the last bit there, right, it says, he doesn't speak on his own authority. Why doesn't he speak on his own authority? He is God. Well, he's the third person of the Trinity, right? Things come from the Father. So it's the Father's authority. It doesn't make the Holy Spirit less authoritative, but simply the Holy Spirit's role is to apply 
the authority of God the Father through Christ. Um, so let's look at these uh, these uh, other fill in the blanks here. We are totally, completely dependent on the Spirit. He doesn't just help give us an advantage, but we are totally, completely dependent on the Holy Spirit because we are totally, completely dependent on God himself in all things, right? To be what? What goes in the line here? Yeah, yeah. To be, I put all three in here. To be convicted of sin, righteousness, and judgment. A person is not convicted of their sin unless the Holy Spirit convicts them. We are totally, completely dependent on the Holy Spirit to be convicted of our own sin, to be convicted of the righteousness of God. Uh, and to be convicted of judgment, of God's judgment, future judgment. This is kind of alluding to the future judgment of God, um, and that we are deserving of that because of our sin, because we are totally dependent on God. All right. Second one. We are dependent on the Holy Spirit to be what? Be guided into all the truth. Yeah, yeah. I wrote uh, to lead us into all the truth from God the Father, right? Because this is the role of the Holy Spirit to um, to apply the truth of God the, the Father to us. It's from the Father through the Son and by the Holy Spirit, and so that we can, when we read God's Word, right. The Holy Spirit empowers us to be able to understand the words that are in it. We are dependent on the Holy Spirit to understand God's word. Right? An unbeliever could read it, could understand with head knowledge, potentially, truthful things of what it's saying. But again, we were talking about knowledge of God and a saving knowledge and a heart knowledge that's totally dependent on the Holy Spirit. Okay. Any questions or comments thus far? I hope we are seeing how big of a role the Holy Spirit plays in all things. Um, and then we can apply it specifically to apologetics and evangelism. But let's look at these next uh, couple of passages here. Uh, this First Corinthians chapter 2, we were looking at the beginning and then also a little bit later in the chapter, um, are two sections we looked at, um, I believe the very first week when we first started apologetics. Uh, so we're revisiting them. But I felt like it would we wouldn't be able to talk about the Holy Spirit and apologetics without looking at these passages again. So I think it's important. Uh, does anyone want to read for us then 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5 for this first part? All right, thanks, Tom. And, and I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in implausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. All right. So, verse 5, I think, summarizes that really well, right? So that your faith might not rest, not come by, it's not founded on the wisdom of man, right? With nice argumentation, what 
which we might apply to that's what apologetics is. Um, but it's founded on the power of God, right? The power of the Holy Spirit working through the one preaching the gospel. So this is uh, what Paul intended to do as he preached the gospel. Remember, we looked at this passage the first week to kind of give the counter-argument to potentially a passage some people might look to to say why we shouldn't do apologetics. Um, Paul is saying that he didn't come with lofty speech or wisdom. Uh, He did not come with uh, ultimately just human wisdom, uh, with possible words of wisdom, it says, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, preaching alone Christ and him crucified. So to fill in the blank here, Paul was dependent on the Holy Spirit to, I said, you could say to proclaim the gospel, but I said to do apologetics and evangelism, uh, to persuade others of uh, the trustworthiness of the gospel, to bring others to faith. He was depending on the power of the Holy Spirit, not trying to win any man by his own wisdom, by his own human arguments, but relying totally on the Spirit in order to bring faith. Right. So this passage here is looking at the one communicating um, dependence on the Holy Spirit. Like Lonnie, though, pointed out, potentially someone still can come to faith uh, from someone who may not truly know the Lord. That's ultimately because God can work outside of us. And he does. And we're thankful he does because we're not always obedient to do the things he wants us to do. (laughs) But yet he's still always needed on the receiver end to... Um, soften our hearts, give us a heart of flesh, right? Not a heart of stone. Um, All right. Now we're looking later in the chapter here, uh, verses 10 through 16. Does someone want to read these two paragraphs for us? Thank you. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them, because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Mm. Having the mind of Christ here is ultimately having the Holy Spirit, right? Allowing us to be able to see uh, things of God um, because we have his, his Spirit. Which is an incredible thing to think about, right? The creator of this universe, the world, all that we see gives us his Spirit. Uh, that's a truly intimate thing so that we can have knowledge from him. Right, that's that's incredible. So, again, let's look at some of these fill-in-the-blanks based on this passage that was just read. Again, the Holy Spirit doesn't just help us or just in the sense of give, give us an edge and to be able to do these things, but without the Spirit, we can't do any of these things. We are totally dependent on the Holy Spirit to... I have on here, know the thoughts of God. 
you can't know the thoughts of God without his spirit. But then on the flip side, we can know the thoughts of God with his spirit. And we have his spirit uh, if you have given your life to the Lord. Right? It's a gift that he gives us. Again, that's the incredible part. Um, being able to understand the thoughts of God. Well, I actually got him ahead of myself a little bit. So this second one, we are dependent on the Holy Spirit to understand the things from God. So it sounds very similar to the very first one, and you might make a case that it's the same thing. Uh, but we are dependent on the Holy Spirit to know the thoughts of God, and we're dependent on the Holy Spirit to understand the things from God. So God communicates himself to us through his Son, and we can't understand that communication. We can't understand what comes through the Son unless the Holy Spirit gives us the understanding, gives us understanding to know. Right? We know things, ultimately, from the Holy Spirit, and we understand things by the Holy Spirit. Now, it's from verse 12 uh, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. All right. Third one. We are dependent on the Holy Spirit to... This third one isn't necessarily, at least the one I have, isn't necessarily pulling um, straight from the text, but it's making a conclusion based on the first two. And some might push back on this, so we'll see if any discussion comes from this. We are dependent on the Holy Spirit to have faith in the things from God. Have faith in the things from God. Because faith ultimately is knowledge and understanding in the heart knowledge of what we're talking about, right? Again, it's important to understand the distinction. What the knowledge we're talking about is the heart knowledge, is the saving knowledge. That's what we're talking about. And they're totally dependent on the Holy Spirit for that. So, we are dependent on the Holy Spirit to have faith in the things from God. Uh, you may put more, also pull more things out of these passages if, if you wanted to, um, and word them different ways. And I mean, it would be true. Ultimately, the point is we're dependent on the Holy Spirit. On the receiving end, of hearing the gospel, of um, hearing someone defend their faith for our benefit so that we can come to saving knowledge. We are totally dependent on, on God, the Spirit. Are there any questions or comments about any of these? If there's not here, then I think there will be in the next part. <laughs> All right, we still have like 15 minutes, so that's good. So implications of our complete dependence on the Holy Spirit in our knowledge. Again, what am I referring to when I say knowledge? I'm referring to saving knowledge, heart knowledge, not just head knowledge. When we share the gospel... Uh, we're speaking, hopefully, by the Holy Spirit's power. Uh, and people here, they have to understand intellectually, but ultimately what we're saying is so only the Holy Spirit that can bring the knowledge from here down to here. Right? We can't um, do that on our own. It has to be the Holy Spirit. All right, so implications. Uh, first question is, what is the relationship between the Spirit and Christian epistemology? So now we're applying, kind of going back to what we learned the second week while we're here, right? talked about metaphysics, epistemology, and that ultimately informs your ethics in a worldview. So let's remind ourselves, what does epistemology mean? Uh, 
How do we know what is real? Right? So we've been talking a lot about knowledge, saving knowledge, knowledge that comes from the Father, through the Son, by the power of the Holy Spirit. So what is the relationship between the Spirit and Christian knowledge, or Christian, Christian epistemology? We've been talking about it throughout this whole time, so it's maybe hard to like condense it and say one thing about it. Don't we believe that the Spirit is the one that helps us understand what's real, what's good, what God does, what He means? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and apart from the Holy Spirit, we can't know any of those things. Um, so the relationship between the Spirit and Christian apology. Uh, epistemology is just intrinsically tied together. Uh, Christian epistemology is dependent on the Spirit, just like everything else we've been saying. The only reason we know the gospel, understand the gospel, and are convicted of our sins is because of the Holy Spirit. Those are some of the things we just looked at We are completely dependent on the Holy Spirit to know things of God, such as the gospel, to understand things of God, such as the gospel, and ultimately to be convicted of our sins. We are totally dependent on on the Spirit. The Spirit is the one um, who allows us to see and understand the trustworthiness of, of Scripture. Scripture is the way that God communicates himself to us, the Holy Spirit, remember, as what was said in one of the earlier passages, doesn't um, say things on his own, but ultimately communicates what is from the Father, speaks on the Father's authority. So the Holy Spirit's role isn't to give you your own personal revelation, like some might argue. But ultimately, the Holy Spirit's role is to inform you what this revelation says. Uh, so to know God by the Holy Spirit um, is ultimately the, allowing the Holy Spirit to help you understand Scripture. Um, many back in church history have discussed the Holy Spirit and God's Word uh, together in an intimate way um, for for a long time. Right? We need to have the Holy Spirit in order to understand God's Word. All right, maybe that was didn't bring so much discussion, the first question. But let's look at the next one. Can believers or unbelievers know anything about God? If so, how? Or if not, why not? Yes, but not relationally. Yes, but not relationally. Demons know a lot about God. That's true. But they don't have a relationship with them, do they? Not anymore. Not anymore. (laughs) Again, so I think this is the importance of understanding the distinction here, right? Just a simple intellectual knowledge of is not, does not give you salvation. So we're talking about a more personal, intimate type of relationship knowledge. So can unbelievers know anything about God? Well, sure, but they don't truly know, tr- truly know God in any meaningful way. Um, I I enjoy uh, Puritan theology, uh, theology from sixteenth, uh, seventeenth century Puritans, um, and one of the reasons for that is because w- how they talk about theology, knowledge of God in such a devotional manner that brings worship. So what's the purpose of us knowing God well, besides us having salvation? Uh, it's ultimately for us to be able to worship God devotionally. Uh, we talk about, we study things about the Trinity, we study things about Christ and what it means that he's um, 
the perfect sacrifice on the cross. It say things about the Holy Spirit, right? But what's the application of all those things? The application is, sure, yes, right knowledge or right understanding, but it's ultimately right understanding that gets to the heart. We're talking about the heart understanding, which leads to worship. So the practical application of all theology, Christian theology, not just heady theology, is worship. Does your understanding of God bring you to worship him? And that's that's the goal of it. So what I was going to say, uh, why I also like the Puritans, is this affects the way they even define theology. And if you were here when we talked about the doctrine of God a couple of semesters ago, this I mentioned this. Uh, so William Ames, one of um, uh, a Puritan who lived a long time ago, said that theology, he was defining the word theology here, and he says theology is living to God. Um, it's not simply just a heady knowledge, but it's this heart knowledge that affects the way you live before him. Um, it's this knowledge that is a true knowledge of God that affects the way you live for him. And so some might push back on that, and maybe rightly so, but um, that's what we're talking about, again, is this heart knowledge. It's, we're totally dependent on the Spirit in that. Um, last question here. How does head knowledge become heart knowledge? We've kind of talked all around this. True saving knowledge. What are some other things that um, we can discuss. So let me make it more practical in the sense you have two different people, right? One comes to saving knowledge, gets this heart knowledge. Another person hears the gospel, someone uh, tries apologetics and shows them reasonably why you should believe in the gospel. But the second person never accepts Christ as the Lord and Savior. Um, what is the difference between those two people? How does head knowledge become heart knowledge? That's the ultimate question for that person who doesn't come to faith. What makes the difference? The Spirit softening the heart. I would say that's a perfect answer. Right? Because it's our dependence on the Holy Spirit. Um, you may potentially see why this could cause big discussion where some might disagree with others in the sense of some Others, without the context of everything we discussed prior to this one question, might say the difference is, one, put their faith in Christ, ask Christ to come in their heart, and one did not. That's true. But what causes that? Again, what causes that is our dependence on the Holy Spirit, the Spirit convict, and the Spirit bringing knowledge to this person, the Spirit, Spirit allowing this person to come to faith. Um, any comments on that? Or questions on that? Or does anyone see potentially where the pushback could be without me completely saying it word explicitly? The pushback, I don't know if we have much time. We have a little time. Potentially could be, well, um, does the Spirit just do that for one person and not do it for another person? Does it for everyone. Okay. So this is the discussion that comes out of this, right? If we're completely dependent on the Holy Spirit, what makes the difference between one person coming to salvation, one person has this heart knowledge, Versus another person only having head knowledge and not heart knowledge. 
think it really comes down to how we're going to live. It's not, you know, okay, I believe this in my heart and that's all I have to do. No, it's going to be a lifetime of full dependence on God and yeah. wholehearted devotion to God. So, you know, you take these two people, put them in a crisis, then what happens? Well, you you know, everyone's a Christian in a crisis, right? Like, how many prayers yeah. to hospitals here that, like, maybe our homes don't, right? But the, you know, the once you take that away, you know, that person's not going to keep that dependence on God, whereas a Christian is. And how, you know, they go into these situations is going to be formed by their knowledge of God. Okay. Okay. That's good. Many paradoxes where, you know, the spirit works in everybody's heart and that's what leads you to Christ, but it also paradoxes you have to choose Christ, you know, so, but wait a minute, you know, there's who, who, I thought you just said it's the spirit that did it. Well, it's also you do it. Both exists. In some sort of paradox, you know that there's all of them are at a conflict. Where if you say, you know, it's the spirit that changes my life afterwards, I cannot commit to it and do it. But also, I can't do it without commitment. So, so the spirit has to do it, but I also have to participate in the spirit to do it. So all of those. You know, we, we, we're saved by faith, but then we actually have to act by surrendering. Mm. You know, so there, that's another paradox. We're saved by, you know, all those things are almost opposites, but they, they do work because, yeah. you know, that's the way it is. There's, there's two parts. Yeah. So, I mean, this is the ultimate discussion that Christians have been, like, trying to figure out how these things work together. Man's choice, right? Man's responsibility versus God, complete dependence on God doing everything for us, right? The one bringing knowledge to us in this heart knowledge. Uh, this, the Holy Spirit bringing understanding in this heart knowledge, right? Um, so this is where I was wanting us to see potentially where people could disagree on how this ultimately plays out. They think they're too smart to believe God's word in a way the Bible was created, the way the world was created, the world and all that. Don't you sometimes, because I have relatives who are just telling me all the time, I just don't believe it. I just don't believe it. I mean, everything is here as you can see. They just don't believe it. Yeah. Because they don't want to believe it. Because they don't want to have to admit that it could happen the way it happened. Yeah. Often I, I suspect people come to the realization that God exists, but there's something that they don't want to give up. And therefore refuse to recognize who he is because that would make them make the tough question, the decision that they're not willing to make. There's something they love more. There's something about the sinful life. There's something about the the pull, the draw of God is not as powerful as that. So they they choose to not believe. Yes, the Holy Spirit's leading and nudging, but there's also that choice. And there's often, to me, there's something if they really dig at it that they're just not willing to to surrender. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's good. Um, and so to conclude it, again, what we're talking about is heart knowledge, not head knowledge. And I think this makes a difference uh, in the sense of if the Holy Spirit is working ultimately on behalf of God, because He is God, to convict, to bring us into knowledge that we may know with our heart for salvation that we may understand if the Holy Spirit is doing that not just intellectually can someone push back on that you may say yes um, 
And so that's that's the, the question. I would say we could definitely push back on that if it's ultimately right head knowledge. But we're talking about heart knowledge here. So things to think about, things to pray about. Final questions before we wrap up. All right. We are completely dependent on the Holy Spirit in order to do apologetics and to evangelize. That's ultimately the point from tonight. So let me close this out in prayer and we'll be dismissed. Lord, we love you. And again, we thank you that you have given us your spirit, Lord. Um, it's such a gift, Lord, that we may um, know your grace, Lord, that we may be your children that we may have this relationship with you, Lord. We thank you that your spirit has convicted us. He is still convicting us uh, so that we may become more like your son. Lord, I pray that we will regularly recognize how we are totally incapable of everything on our own. We ultimately would never have chosen you unless the Holy Spirit first convicted us, first illuminated the trustworthy gospel, Lord, to us that we may see and understand. Lord, we thank you that the Holy Spirit has given us understanding, Lord. We pray these things in your name. Amen.